Welcome to EdSource Radio, where we talk about the latest developments in California education. I'm Lewis Freeberg, Executive Director of EdSource, with Editor-at-Large John Fenstewald at EdSource, which, by the way, is celebrating its 40th anniversary. John, you were at the state board meeting. They meet every couple of months. Anything significant happened this week? Well, there was a newsworthy announcement, something we've been waiting for for a long time. The state board announced that on Wednesday, March 15th, will be the launch of its long-awaited school dashboard. You can go to the site at caschooldashboard.org, and that is the place. It's a website where you will be able to find the results of the performance of every school and every district and on a number of indicators, not just test scores, which was the old system, but you're going to find test scores and you're going to find in English learners are doing and their chronic absenteeism and grad rates, suspension rates, and a college career readiness indicator, which will be coming in the fall. Now, John, this is a massive, has been a massive effort on the part of California to move away from measuring schools and districts just on test scores, multiple measures, it's called. How much are people going to really be able to tell from this dashboard, which is supposed to represent like in a car, the various measures, not just one measure? That's right. That's why they call it a dashboard. It's going to be very comprehensive. It's going to provide a lot of data that interest that particularly interested parents and and school board members will have to go back and when they create their annual local accountability plan known as LCAP, they're supposed to use this data to inform them when they set their priorities for spending and and the goals for the following year. There's supposed to be a tie between this data and the plans that they create. That's the hope. This year is just a field test. This coming fall will be the first time it will be used for accountability, which starts next year. But hang on. What's happening this coming week? Yeah, this week you're going to get most of the data you'll have in the fall. There'll, there's some gaps, which I mentioned, career college readiness and chronic absenteeism. But basically the dashboard, as it's called, will be complete. And there'll be a number of tabs. You can find a lot of data about student subgroup performance, a lot of data about why the English language arts scores did well in your school or your district, etc. Is California ahead of other states in doing this? I think that there are other states that are mentioning, you know, that will measure career readiness, for example. We're not the only ones doing that. But I think with the comprehensiveness of this system and how it's all used to provide sort of a whole view of school and district performance, California is is distinct in this way. Okay, so this week, parents, anybody else wants to see how these schools and districts can, on some of the measures at least, can go and find this on their own district website? Is that is that the story? Yes, and I think one of the things we'll be looking for is whether parents find this uh, helpful or confusing because you're not going to find a, a single rating. You're not going to find what's called a summative rating of your school or district. You're going to find various elements and color dashboards will tell you how they're doing, but no one number like an API number. You won't find this in this system by design. Okay. Now, John, I mentioned the Every Student Succeeds Act. On a national level, the Congress basically rescinded these uh, regulations at least on a big chunk of the Every Student Succeeds Act um, that uh, President Obama signed, well, it's a couple of years ago. Uh, That's right. And 
What impact is this going to have on California? Was this discussed at the state board meeting? Actually, it wasn't discussed at the state board meeting. I'll tell you why, because it won't have a lot of effect on California per se, because California didn't assume that these rules were going to pass anyway. So it used the language of the law to, to begin to craft its plan for the Every Student Succeeds Act. But I tell you, civil rights groups were upset that the rules have been rescinded because they were counting on the rules to sort of hold the state's feet to the fire to make sure that they did well and, and by low-income and, and minority students that they really use those rules to press and see very concrete and distinct plan for improvement. And they're worried that it's a little squishy now and states won't have to do that. Okay, but there's states and then there's California. I mean, California has this local control funding formula, which is directing a lot of money to low-income kids and English learners and foster kids. California is making, it seems, a genuine, serious effort to serve those kids. And so California, my understanding is that they felt that they didn't want the federal government telling them what to do, that really the state should be driving its own policies. Yeah, much of much of California's plan, which they continually t- refer to as continuous improvement, working with districts, encouraging schools to improve long term, slowly, incrementally, but very clearly, that's the goal, is really a reaction to No Child Left Behind, in which California and other states felt that the federal government had too, too big a role and too harsh a, a role in terms of directing st- directing states and schools to tell them this is the way you must perform if your low-performing students aren't doing well. There was a tremendous reaction, ambitious goals, and this is sort of like the the counter No Child Left Behind approach. And California really believes in trying this, and so it was looking for the kind of flexibility that this law affords. So that's kind of an irony, is that uh, at least in terms of the California education leadership, they aren't upset that Congress has abolished these regs. No, I think some civil rights groups in California would have liked that as a backstop, the rules to make sure that they do it. But California really has an equity focus in terms of the funding, as you mentioned, and also the account, the dashboard that we talked about will really emphasize how subgroups and minority students and low-income and English learners perform. It's very clear. It's right out there on the front page of that dashboard. So, Lewis, on a larger level, this week you wrote a story about school choice as a civil rights issue, according to the Trump administration. So, so tell me, what, what's up with that? Well, very interesting. President Trump, uh, in his uh, speech joint, uh, to the Joint Session of Congress, and then later Betsy DeVos, are, are framing the school choice agenda that they are pushing, which includes vouchers for private schools, as a civil rights issue. This obviously is rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, given what's happened just since the election, where President Trump has not been on the right side of civil rights issues. I mean, beginning with accusing John Lewis, the congressman, the iconic civil rights leader, of basically not doing anything in his district, appointing Jeff Sessions as his attorney general, uh, accused by Coretta Scott King as being against voting rights, And so it's a little hard for a lot of people to take that uh, President Trump and Betsy DeVos are putting themselves forward as civil rights champions, at least on this issue. They're pointing to the low graduation rates of African-American students and others and saying, well, 
it's time for something different and school choice is the remedy that we believe is going to work. What do you think? Well, a lot of people, including Democrats, are in favor of school choice. I mean, who can argue against parents having more choice? But it is true that in the case of private school vouchers, for example, not that many poor kids will be able to really take advantage of these vouchers. And also, it is going to have an impact on public schools where the majority of low-income kids attend. But it's also the case that Trump and DeVos are not the first people to try to frame this as a school choice, as school choice, as a civil rights issue. This has been going on for decades, and uh, it's been a standard part of the Republican platform pushing school choice as a civil rights issue. And saying, in fact, many argue that this is the last civil right that Americans, American kids, don't enjoy. Rhetoric aside. Ed Source wrote a story this week about the challenges that low-income students face in college, and they they don't they go well beyond the uh, academics and and the struggles that some have. Tell me why that's significant, if you can. Well, actually, our reporter Michael Zinstein wrote uh, I thought it was an interesting piece on the survey that the KIPP charter schools did of their ten thousand students graduates from either the middle school or the high school in colleges. And I think about 3,000 students responded. And I think there's been a lot of focus in recent years on the academic support, getting kids to college so they don't need remedial classes and so on. But the survey that they did of, the, of the, their students actually was quite shocking because it showed that these students were struggling on a number of other levels. Students were having trouble putting food on the table didn't know where the next meal was coming from because they had to cover their expenses for college, you know, textbooks, tuition, and so on. 25% of the students were actually sending money back home to their parents or families as, to, as financial support. Uh, there were other things that one doesn't usually think about, that a lot of these students had difficulty getting internships. In, they might have found internships or, or some kind of summer job, but not related to the career path that they were on. Lots of them also had trouble getting work-study jobs, which they were eligible for. So there was a whole host of obstacles that these students face, not in the academic realm, but are going to make it really difficult for these people, for these students to complete their college careers or at least get attain the the goals that they had set out for themselves. I found that study fascinating, Lewis. We know that KIPP has taken for a long time pride in preparing students academically for college. And I, you know, we can applaud them for following up and saying, well, what happens once you get there? And I think that one, didn't they offer a piece of advice with regard to going to schools where in fact schools have advisors and counselors who can help you? Well, KIPP is actually doing more than that. They actually have advisors or counselors on their own staffs and they assign these counselors, or they call them college advisors, to these students. So the students get help throughout their college careers. Also, they have courses that students can take before they go to college that, that really help students with the practical aspects. How do you apply for financial aid? How do you, what kind of savings do you have to have to get through college? Planning your budgets ahead of time and sticking to that. Applying for uh, the internship, not waiting till like, you know, two weeks before the end of the year, but starting in January mm -hmm. to get the internship. And then also knowing when and how to apply for a work-study job. So there's a lot of practical 
skills that you need to go way beyond being prepared academically. So Kip is actually doing uh, much more than almost anybody else, but it does underscore perhaps the kinds of supports that all students would need, or low-income students who may be first-generation students and their families to go to college could benefit from. And that colleges should be also doing themselves for a new student. Well, that is the point, and a bunch of people that Michael's Insight talked to said, you know, really it shouldn't be up to the school, the high schools. Who has the resources to do that? It really is up to the colleges to provide these kinds of support. John, before I let you go, give me a prediction about something that's coming up in the next few weeks or months. Well, March 15th is a date that school districts must let teachers know if they're going to be laid off in the fall. And it may be surprising that we may see thousands of layoffs in across the state, and I think that will reflect both the governor's very conservative budget in January, has made districts reconsider how much money they'll have, and we have a lot of mandated expenses that wasn't weren't anticipated a couple years ago in terms of of uh, pensions and special ed costs, and that's going to have effect and it's going to surprise probably a lot of people. Wow, that is really remarkable because for the last few years we thought we had turned that corner. That's and, right. Uh, wow. And Lewis, give me a prediction. Well, a lot of coverage, a lot of reporting about these sanctuary resolutions, safe haven resolutions that a lot of school districts have passed to protect immigrant undocumented students from federal intrusion onto their campuses and so on. Well, we've actually looked at this, and it turns out that not that many school districts have actually passed these resolutions. We looked at the 25 largest school districts, and only 11 out of 25 had passed them. And statewide, the, the, the most comprehensive list we've seen is only about 50 out of 1,000 school districts have passed the resolution uh, like that. So we think that the school districts are being quite cautious, they don't want to get into legal problem, have legal problems or face potentially the loss of federal funds, which the president has threatened to do, as you know. So uh, we're going to be following this, but for now, for now, this is going to be limited to a small number of districts. Well, John, that wraps it up for this week. I'm Lewis Friedberg with John Fenstewald at EdSource. For more information on these topics, go to our website at edsource.org. Thanks for listening.